0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I want to wish everybody a good morning. I trust that our minds have been cleared of all the cares maybe troubles of life and that our heart is single this morning and focused on worshiping god in spirit and in truth this morning if you consider yourself a visitor we just want to welcome you here at at alma at highway 71 church of christ and we hope that you feel welcome here Uh, we love that you have chosen to to worship god with us this morning and And anyway, we hope that you feel uplifted when you leave here. This morning, I just want you to know if you are a visitor, I'm not the pastor. Uh, I'm just a a, a normal Joe. And uh, I have put together a study this morning that I trust will be beneficial to all of us. And uh, I just hope and pray as always that you can look past my imperfections as a public speaker and that you can focus on the word that we'll be studying this morning. To kind of introduce our thoughts, I want to share with you an experience that I had when I was about 16 years of age. I was able to go to Texas, and I had some kinfolk there that was uh, managing a thousand acre ranch. And so I got to play cowboy for the summer. And one day I, 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 we were told to get on the horses and, and to basically travel all the fence rows on this ranch and there was a lot of a lot of linear foot of fence rows and the purpose in doing this was to to see if maybe like a limb had fallen on top of the fence and, and it needed mending so the cows and what have you wouldn't get out well as we were doing this one day we we came up upon a scene and it just terrified me and another young guy who was inexperienced as i was uh, we saw this Calf that was just tangled up in this barbed wire, and when you saw this, when I saw this, I'm like, "How in the world was that calf able to do what it did?" It was a mess. Like, there's, there's, there's no possible way that could have done that, but it did. And so immediately, me and, and and the guy that was with me, we jumped off the horse, and we went to the calf, and we're looking at this mess, and we're trying to figure out what to do. And so we're thinking okay we're going to move this wire and move this leg and all of a sudden that cap began to panic and when it did so it started cutting itself and we made the situation worse and so what i realized what we both realized as we kind of backed away from the scenario was like we need someone that is more experienced we this is above our pay grade we don't have the knowledge necessary to to not hurt this calf more so than it already is. And so that's what we went and did. We got some more experienced cowboys to to come to the scene. And brothers and sisters, it was amazing what experience and knowledge can do. These guys, they hop off their horses and they walked up to the scene. And they were just with all calmness and peace and they knew exactly what to do. And within minutes, they were able to free this calf from the fence. And, and they were able to ease our minds and say, hey, this calf is going to be all right. In a couple of weeks, you're not even going to know that this happened to it. So they were able to save the day with their knowledge and experience. What I learned that day is how powerful knowledge and experience is. And, and the mess that I could make in my lack of knowledge This morning, we don't want to talk about how to set a calf free from a fence. We want to talk about something much more important, and that is souls. All around us in our life, we are going to experience people in our family, people at our work, people at our school, that are being held captive by Satan, and they are hurt. And It's going to be up to you and I, To free them. I love this verse in Proverbs twenty-two and five, and this is Solomon talking here. He says, "Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them." I love Solomon's writings because he can just lay these lay these words out that paint pictures for us in our minds. How many of us have ever been caught in some briars and thorns? Has anybody experienced that? You've gotten off the beaten path and you're trying to take a shortcut maybe? And when you get caught in those thorns, what happens? You pause. (laughs) You're not going to move because you know that that thorn is going to start cutting you in your flesh and start ripping your clothes. And all of a sudden you kind of just, even though you're being paralyzed at the moment you become kind of panic inside and all you can think about is how can I free myself without damaging my clothes and damaging my skin it's not a fun experience and you think to yourself I'm not going to put myself in this situation again after that how many of us have ever uh, set some traps out anybody set some box traps out before put a little bit of bait in there and trap something I'm sure we all have kind of experienced that. You know, there's a trigger in this trap and you put the bait in there uh, for, the, for, the, for the animal that you're trying to trap and they all like a little bit, something, something a little bit different. And so you put that bait in there and they walk in that trap like a box trap for instance and there's a little, there's a little lever that kind of, kind of comes up and it's a, it's a mechanism that when that's triggered, the door falls. And when that animal is inside, Can it get out? No. It cannot. It got so distracted by the bait that it did not even realize it was walking into a trap. But it can't get out. And that is what happens to our souls. That's what happens to us spiritually. Is when Satan has got us wherever, whatever direction that we were once going is no longer the direction we're going. Because, you see, our ambitions, our goals in life are no longer our goals because we are in a trap. We are at the mercy and the will of who? Satan. So my point in saying that is that there are people that are ensnared and held captive all around us this morning. How many of us have tried to help someone in that situation? Have you ever tried to help someone that is held captive spiritually? How'd that go? Were you successful? Or was it harder than what you ever imagined? Did you lose patience? Did you get in an argument, maybe? Did you find yourself maybe the, a little bit unskilled? Maybe you didn't have the knowledge. Maybe you thought it was above your pay grade. I've experienced all of those. I have made a mess of things, just as I did to that calf. But thankfully, God knew that we would need experience and knowledge. And we don't have to figure out the hard way. We don't have to to make a mess of things because you know what? God has given us, you and me, a recipe that we can follow to set the captive free. He has given us a recipe. The other day I was studying in Timothy. And have you ever, like, read verses of Scripture and it was just like the first time you ever read them? That's what happened to me. I was just like, a light bulb came on. I'm like, I've read this a dozen times, probably more, but it's like all of a sudden, I'm like, where was that? Well, I read some verses in Timothy, three verses. And in these three verses, it tells us how to set. The captive free, And that's going to be our study this morning. And I want us to understand something before we begin our study. God is the one that gives the increase, right? We are only his instruments of righteousness. We are what? We're planters, aren't we? And we are waterers. And God gives the increase. But do you plant corn in the middle of January? No, you don't, do you? There is a proper time to plant certain plants, right? There's certain soil that it needs. Have you ever killed a plant by giving it too much water? I have. Or maybe too little water. We've all done that, right? And so what God has given us as planters and waters, he's given us the knowledge and the skill sets that we need to do it properly, to do our part. He's going to ultimately give the increase. So this morning, what we want to look to do is how to be an effective and efficient planter in water when it comes to setting the captive free. These are the verses that we're going to be looking at this morning. In 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, Patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves; if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and they that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. If you're like me i sometimes start from the the end of the book and work myself to the front so if we'll start at the verse 26 there it talks about what we've been discussing this morning those that are being held captive by satan's will and did you notice something there's something that stands out in those words what is that this person's will is no longer their will they're at the mercy of who satan And we need to understand that because oftentimes we can get offended very quickly in trying to help someone because of how much they resemble the evil one. In the very first verse, in verse 24, it says, And the servant of the Lord. Who is that talking about? Whose responsibility is it to set the captive free? It's the servant of the Lord's. So we're not talking about pastors or elders or deacons or evangelists here. We're talking about you and me. It is all of our responsibility to set the captive free. If you are a servant of the Lord, this must be something that you are adamant about, that you are passionate about. And so Paul instructs Timothy here, who had a heart to help and set the captive free. He says, this is how you do it. First of all, You don't argue with them. They're going to want to fight you, but you don't fight back. Two, you've got to be gentle. Three, you must be apt to teach. What's that word apt mean? It's a word that we don't use very much. It means that you must be a capable teacher. You must be an efficient teacher, effective. And it says that you must be patient and in meekness. So for the remaining of our time this morning, what we want to do is look at these five things. And we want to just expound a little bit on them so that we can be better equipped, glorify God, and how we set the captive free. So the first one we want to look at is how to not fight. We must not strive or argue. Has anybody ever had a raised or had laying hens before? I think some of us have. I, think I see a few people that have had laying hens we all like chicken, don't we? <laughs> I like chicken. You like chicken. And so do all the animals. <laughs> I think I may have bought the most delicious uh, laying hens in Crawford County because every animal wanted them. And so I had to declare war against all the predators. And so I would oftentimes put out box traps to try to catch these coons and these possums and, and uh, skunks and man, it was hawks. They all wanted chicken. But in doing so, when I'd catch these predators, when I would go up to that box trap, there's not a one of those animals that looked up to me and said, oh, I'm glad to see you. (laughs) None of them did that. In fact, they were in fight or flight mode. They wanted to claw my eyeballs out. That's what they wanted. What I'm trying to get at is when someone is being held captive. And their will is not their own, but that of Satan. We need to know that going into a situation. We need to know that it's not going to be friendly fire. Uh, they're They're going to want to attack us. We need to be ready for that. We need to be ready. But whatever we do, we must not argue. And so again, we talked about how a person is not, their will is not their own anymore. So it's Satan's will. So we've got to understand Satan. Who is he? He is the great accuser, isn't he? He wants us to feel guilt and shame. He is throwing our sins in our faces. And you know what? Someone that's held captive, they're going to do the same thing. The, the more they know you, the more accusations they can hurl at you. And so we have to be ready for that. Who is Satan? He is the father of lies, right? And so when we go into a scenario, you know what they're going to do? They're going to deceive us. They're going to be deceptive. And we can't get our feelings hurt when they start lying to us. We need to know that that's going to happen. Who is Satan? He is the ruler of darkness. And so when we try to to try to free this captive, we're like, "Hey, why don't you come to church with me?" Are they going to want to go to the light? No, they're not. When you ask them, hey, why don't you come to a Bible study? Why don't you come to a fellowship? Are they going to want to leave that darkness? No, they're not. You know, I've come up to these traps before that I've set. And sometimes these animals, they don't even know they're trapped. Have you ever experienced that? Why? Because they're eating the bait that you provided them. Are, they're enjoying this bait, and they don't even care that they've been caught because they're enjoying themselves. And sometimes when we go up to someone, they're not going to want our presence there because you know what? They're enjoying themselves. They're enjoying the sin and the bait that Satan put in their way, and they don't want to change. They don't want their lot to look different because they're enjoying themselves. And so we just need to know that. We don't want to go in there guns blazing, trying to accuse them and and tell them, why in the world did you chase that bait inside the trap? Didn't you not know it was a trap? That's not what they need to hear at that moment. You know, the the, the folks that don't know me, I'm a broker. And so when I'm training agents to get a listing, uh, I train them a certain way. You know, a lot of times when you're going into a house or someone is wanting to sell it, they're going to interview interview all these different agents and uh they're going to see who is best suited for them and their needs and a lot of times when you know that boy all you want to do your intuition is I just want to sell myself. I'm going to talk them into using me. I'm going to tell them how great I am. And I te- teach my agents do not do that. You go in there and you ask questions. You go in there and you listen, listen, listen. You gather all that information and you propose a plan and tell them how you can help them execute that plan. And when they do that, nine times out of 10, they'll walk away with that listing. We need to go into a situation and listen. They need to know that we care about them and and we need to ask them questions and we need to be sympathetic and can be compassionate to where they're at. They don't wanna talk about their sin yet. So we just need to know that they're going to be a little bit nasty and we need to be ready for that. Don't argue, don't fight. Don't don't argue. It's so tempting to do. The next thing it says be gentle. If we don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to remember that gentleness is a superpower. You remember that? Gentleness is a superpower. Have you ever met someone that was courageous? They had a lot of knowledge, super intelligent when it came to the Scriptures. They were righteous, but they lacked gentleness. You see, when we lack gentleness, I don't care if we got everything else right, we'll never be able to impact others to Christ Jesus. We can't do it. You know, the other day, uh, Hannah and Logan were over at our house, and they got this cute little new girl whose name is Savannah. And so, you know, when there's a little baby in the room, what do you want to do? <laughs> you want to hold it. And so we were all fighting over Savannah and who gets to hold. And I just happened to, to notice something. When that little baby went into someone's arms, their posture changed. Like they were just super relaxed, relaxed and at ease and at peace. And uh, I noticed that their facial expressions, there was a smile that came on their face and their tone of voice when they were talking to little Savannah, it even changed. It kind of got a little higher pitched and a little softer. And why do we do that? Because that baby has intuition. And they, we want that baby to know that, hey, we are trustworthy. But I want us to think about something If a a two-month-old child has the intuition to know what kind of person we are, do we think that a five-year-old or a 15-year-old or adult maybe can figure out the same thing? They say that it takes less than 60 seconds for a stranger to figure out exactly who we are. You know, ungentleness is a lot like a frost. To a bloom, a flowery bloom. What happens to that bloom when the first frost lays on that? It begins to wilter, it begins to die. And you see, if we have that character of ungentleness inside of us, you see, everyone around us, we stunt their growth. We stunt their growth. We have to be like Jesus Christ. You know, our we talked about, Brian talked about. New Year's resolutions. Our our number one goal should be to be like Jesus. That's why we're here this morning to be more like Him. And when I when it comes to sinners and setting the captive free, He was a master at it. And you know why He was a master at it? It's because of His gentleness. I think about these words. He says, "Come to me, all ye that are that labor and are heavy laden." Who is that talking about? He's talking about the captive. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Why? Because I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's remember that gentleness is a superpower. The next thing that it mentions in these verses is that we need to be a capable teacher. You know, sometimes we forget who our adversary is. We forget just how powerful he is. He is the prince of this world. He is in control of this world and everybody in it. He has power that we need to be mindful of. And sometimes we forget Sometimes we think that we can walk to the captive and, and use our likability to use our charm, to use our charisma to try to free someone from their captivity. We can't do it on our own. We have to have the Word of God. And we need to know who we are fighting against. You know, the question was asked of Satan one time, Where you been, Satan? He said, from going to and fro and up and down in the world. In other words, there is not a rock that Satan has not turned over because he's looking for a soul that he can take captive. And not only take captive, but he wants them for eternity. A thousand times a trillion years is only the very first day. The song that we just sang talked about an eternal day. That is eternity. You see, he wants as many people damned with him for eternity. That's who we're fighting against. He has had 6,000 years to perfect his art, and we didn't know that, that we cannot do it on our own. We're not strong enough. We're not powerful enough. We're not smart enough. But when God came as a man to this earth and he lived, what happened? You see, Satan has a third of his angels. He took a third of his angels when he left heaven to be his workers. But you see, his angels didn't go and tempt the Son of God. He went personally. And when he went personally, he left with his tail between his legs. How is that? Because Jesus Christ was teaching us how to overcome Satan. That is with the Word of God. Only the Word of God has that power. And in order for us to be a capable teacher, we must first believe in that power. And there's not a verse, I think, that explains the power of the Word of God better than Hebrews 4 and 12. It says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, this word living is an interesting word. The Greek, it means energes, I believe, is how you pronounce that. Brian could tell you better. But it's where we get our word, our word energy from. The Word of God has, has, it has, has vigor. It is powerful. It has energy. It is living because it's like, I don't care how many times we read it, it can come alive for the very first time. It, it's, it becomes what we need that very moment. Because the I am, it is his words. You know, it talks about how it's sharper than any two-edged sword. How is that? Because it has the power to do something that no, nothing else can. You know, there's a lot of books that have been written. And these books are full of information and knowledge That can inform us on about a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of poetry that has been been written that that captivate us. There's been self-help books that motivate us. But there's only one book that has the power to transform us, and that is God's Word. Transform us. How does it do it? Because the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. There was a two-edged sword when when this was written. And it was the most powerful of all the arsenal. But you see, the word of God is sharper. It can go places that the human scalpel cannot. You see, it, that part of us that, can, that is not seen, the part of us that Jeremiah said it is wicked and deceitful above all things, that is our mind, that is our heart, our spiritual heart it can deceive us to doing very terrible things. It can lead us down paths where there are nothing but thorns and snares. But you see, when the Word of God is involved, it can take those thoughts and those imaginations and lay them open for us to see them for what they are. And how dare we, as servants of Jesus Christ, Not study to show ourselves approved. The answers are in this book. There is nothing that this book cannot accomplish. All the answers are there. All of them are there. We just got to open it up and find them. Must be a capable teacher. Talks about patience. Y'all bear with me. We're almost done. Talks about patience. Hmm. You know, we talked a little bit about about what we we witness when we walk up against on a trap. A trap where this this animal is in fight or flight mode and just not happy to see us. And so there's going to be accusations that are thrown our way. There's going to be deception and lies being told And it's not going to be a pleasant situation. It's not going to be a pleasant experience. And sometimes our pride gets the best of us. Because we begin to tell ourselves, man, I have devoted so much time and so much energy to trying to help this person. And they just spit in my face. They don't care about me They don't care that I have sacrificed so much of my time and energy to helping them. All they care is about themselves. And so we shake the dust off our feet and we move on and say they're not ready. Their heart's not good. Their heart's too hardened. And we give up on that person. And maybe we should. Maybe we shouldn't have. I guess what what we need to understand is that This isn't gonna happen overnight. Think about yourself. Are you where you wanna be? Or are you a work in progress? I know I'm a work in progress. I've got a long ways to go. And I thank God for his patience and his long suffering and his forbearance for me. And I think that is a trick. To be patient with someone is to understand grace. And understand that that person doesn't deserve you or the time or your energy. But neither did you when Jesus Christ gave it to us. I think that's what motivated Paul, don't you think? You know, a question was asked to him, like, how are you able to do more than all the other apostles? And he said, it was the grace that I've been given. He was a murderer of Christian people. I'm sure that was a hard pill to swallow. But you know, it, it motivated him and, and, and it drove him to greatness, to showing that same patience and grace to others. I think that's what we got to find inside of us. It talks about instructing those with meekness. Do you remember that, that, that account in John? When Peter was drugged in by these Pharisees and there was a woman that was caught in adultery. She had done a terrible thing. And these men were ready to stone her. And they were trying to get Jesus' permission. Hey, we need to do this, right? And he asked a question to her. After this situation, he says, where are the accusers? And she had looked up and there was no one there standing around her anymore. Where are thine accusers? See, what happened was Jesus, he posed a a question or I guess more of a statement. He said, ye that are without sin, let him cast the first stone. It says that the eldest from the youngest began to drop these stones and walk away. He says, where are thine accusers? You know, unfortunately, I see this in myself, and maybe you can see it in yourself, but sometimes we're a lot like these Pharisees. When it comes to having sin around us, we want to exterminate it. We're talking about sinful people. We want to remove them as far from our life as possible. We're ready to stone them, aren't we? Get rid of them. But was that the business that Jesus Christ was in? What did He do with that lady? He saved her soul because He did not have that condemning spirit inside of Him. He came to set the captive free. We need to remember that sometimes the people that are sitting around us, that they may need a hospital, a place where they can be cured. Maybe some people around us are in a prison cell right now, and they're looking for someone to help them provide a key to to let them out. And I just hope that we can be like Jesus and not be like those Pharisees with rocks in our hand trying to exterminate every sinner that is around us. I hope that we can have the compassion that we need. You know, haughtiness will never save a soul. But meekness will. Meekness is another superpower that I hope that we can all have. And I love this picture of the lion and the lamb. Because sometimes when we are being held captive, we're just like that lamb. We are are powerless. But do we, in our righteousness and maybe in our knowledge, do we come and devour them up? like these Pharisees like to do? are we coming like Jesus Christ with the power and the meekness and the humility, and the gentleness to say it's going to be okay? You have been such a kind audience this morning. I just wanted to remind us on how we can set the captive free. We must first know what we're going into know that that victim is going to be in fight-or-flight mode. And we can't go in there trying to, trying to change him in an instant. We need to go in with calmness. We need to go in with peace. We need to go in there with compassion. They need to see that. They're going to want to fight, but we don't want to fight back. We need to remember about the power of gentleness. It is a superpower. When they sense that in us, it is like a medicine to them. A medicine that they crave, that we all crave. We all crave gentleness. We need to know the Word of God and understand its power. And know that only it can cause the change that, that we are looking for and what we desire. Only it has the keys to unlock the chains that bind We need to be patient. This is not going to happen overnight. We wish it could. <laughs> it's going to demand a lot of time. There's going to be accusations that are hurled at us. And we've got to accept them. We've got to take them. And know that we just can't take it personal. Because they are at Satan's wheel. We've got to put the pride to the side. We've got to come in there with a lowly heart. Because meekness and gentleness is a superpower that we all need. So thank you so much for allowing me to go through the study this morning. What we all want is freedom. All the captives, all they want is freedom. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. So let us be like Jesus Christ. That is our New Year's resolution. Let us be like Jesus. Let us learn from Him as we have done this morning. Let us continue to walk beside our brothers and sisters in Christ, having compassion on them. And when they're ugly and nasty, let us still walk beside them because they need us. And we may need them tomorrow because we may be the ones that are held captive. Thank you for your kind attention. Let us stand and sing.